New York, unique 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 New York. We sing that in choir, and every time by the end, we were saying, You freaky dork. Why would you say that? It just all ran together. No, I think y'all just wanted to say that. <laughs> no, we got lazy. Man, okay. Red, red, <clears throat> try this. Mm-hmm. Red, red leather, yellow leather, red, yellow. <sighs> red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, red leather, red leather, yellow leather, red leather. <laughs> red leather, leather, yellow leather, rather. Yeah. Okay, I think we're me, 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 me. I think we're good. I think we're good. You think we're tested? <clears throat> yeah. We check all the boxes. Checked all the boxes. I'm going to pull up the tabs here and. Welcome back to another episode. Another yellow? <laughs> yeah, another yellow episode of Black Law and Legalize. Legalize. Um, hello, everybody. Don't look at the camera. Why not? Because. Makes you self-conscious. Okay. Look at the camera if you would like. I'll look at mine. Okay. No. Stop that. (laughs) No. Okay. And who are you? Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Dan, a.k.a. Dan on Drugs. You can keep up with me on Twitter and on IG at I am Dan on Drugs. Keep up with the show on all social media platforms at Black Law Podcast. And don't forget, we have merch, t-shirts, plenty of them, hoodies. Check it out. Blacklawpodcast.com forward slash shop. Great for gifting. Great for gifting. That mm-hmm. is good. There you go. Mm-hmm. And you, ma'am? I am Afro Becky. Becky. That's me. So, ladies and gentlemen, on a serious note, our co-host Anne is unable to join us because she is having a legit medical issue. Not yes. one of the ones that um that I make up when she misses one or when Becky misses a recording. She is having a legit medical issue. Um, she did take a trip to the hospital. She is doing okay to the best of my knowledge. Um, she ain't dead yet. So, I mean, whatever it is, it, it ain't working hard enough. But, you know, just want to send a quick shout out to our co-host yes. and hope she gets better and hope she's able to rejoin us soon. Yes, please send her love. Do some shout outs on the gram, something like that. <laughs> on the gram? Yeah. Yeah, some shout outs on the gram. That always makes people feel better. Mm, yeah. Or you can also, I'm arranging her funeral just hey, just in case. I don't think that's your place, man. I can do whatever I want. Okay. Anyway, yeah. But shout 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 out to our co-host and and hope she gets better. Seriously. Not a joke, ladies and gentlemen. Um, send her your well wishes on Twitter at I Tell Legal Lies. Today, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the city we live in. It's not necessarily a legal topic, but it is a social topic, I would say. Yes. New Orleans is honestly, I grew up in the D.C. area in the 90s, one of the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. But it's like I thought we were like one of the most violent cities that there was in D.C. I mean, we got the murder capital title a couple of times, but man, I didn't realize how bad it was in other places. The South violence and the North violence is different, let me tell you, and I can speak from both sides. But um, New Orleans, honestly, it's the most violent city that I've ever lived in. I've lived in a handful of cities, most violent by far, Becky, uh, what do you think? Would you concur? Well, I've only ever lived in one city, and this is it. Everywhere else I've lived before has not been considered like a major metropolitan area. Well, I mean, so. it's a city, though. It is a city. So, um, I mean, you lived in, well, you, you had a short stay in D.C., so, I mean, you can consider that living there for the time being. Yeah, two months. Right. Yeah. So... Anyway, New Orleans, the most violent place you've ever been? Yep. 
Now, let me ask you this. Up until moving to New Orleans, right, or coming to New Orleans, what's the most violent thing you've ever seen, like personally witnessed with your own eyes? There really hasn't been much violence that I've been exposed to. Um, So I can't give you a a good example of something that I've physically witnessed. Nothing. With my own eyes, no. Never seen a fist fight in person. Wrestling match. Shouting back and forth. Fingers in the face. Nope. Nothing. Man, (laughs) it must have been nice to grow (laughs) up where the fuck you grew up because shit like some of my earliest memories were violence yeah like it's just uh you know mostly most of the violence i saw with my own two eyes were a lot of fist fights a lot of fist fights a lot of people getting jumped a lot of people getting stomped out i've seen two people get stabbed i've seen a couple of people get shot at but not hit luckily um you know, so that that's just some of the stuff I, I saw growing up in the D.C. area. And I, I think all things considered, that's getting off kind of good. So anyway, that brings us to New Orleans, right? New Orleans moved down here in the early 2000s, pre-Katrina. And it was a very violent city even back then. But the violence stayed in pockets. So you had different... um different housing projects which that that's kind of where the violence was insulated or contained in these specific projects and then what they did um i think saint thomas projects was one of them they tore the projects down and i think this is pre-katrina too but they uh tore the projects down and that forced the 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 families that lived in those projects that were feuding with other projects forced them to actually move into those other projects because that's how public housing works. So then you saw a huge spike in crime because now your enemy has moved into your neighborhood or you have moved into your enemy's neighborhood. And, you know, that but it was still kind of still insulated in those projects. Right. Mm -hmm. Then it got to a point where, um, Mardi Gras touristy stuff they would um target some of the tourists rob them you know rob rob them gunpoint mostly take their shit whatever and go and I remember one of the things that people told me um before I moved down here was don't go to any of the cemeteries and um at at some point maybe that was a thing those of you who have lived in New Orleans all your lives let me know but at, at some point, maybe that was a thing where some of the locals would trick tourists or out of towners into a cemetery and rob them. More or less like, hey, you guys want to go on a tour? You want to check out this oh. cemetery? Oh, okay. Take them in the cemetery and rob mm-hmm. them there. I think it's the one off of Rampart or somewhere down in that area. So that brings us to 2019. It's been getting consistently 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 and constantly worse would would you agree like what's your assessment well, Becky? i think that there isn't a day that goes by on the news that somebody's getting shot i mean and that's locally i'm not saying nationally i'm just saying locally and i think the number of mass shootings nationally has definitely you know spiked um and it's something that Unfortunately, we've had to been we've kind of been desensitized to um, because it happens so often. But, um, yes, definitely in the New Orleans area, it's um, it's a thing that you hear constantly and consistently, like you said, constantly and consistently. Mm-hmm. So um, it it has gotten progressively worse, let me tell you. So I want to start with the case. And what I'm going to do is just kind of point out some some things that have happened recently this year. I really wanted to stick with this month, but prior to doing that, I wanted to talk about a case that happened earlier this year. I think it was in March or in May. In a story we broke this morning on our website, WWLTV.com, we have new information about the man arrested for a triple murder in Terrytown. A woman and two children were beaten to death 
and two other children were critically injured. Duke Carter is joining us live with more on uh, the man who is charged in this incident. Duke. Hey, good morning. Well, we know the name of the man, and records, say, records show that it's 33-year-old Terrence Leonard. As you just mentioned, Eric, three people died and two others were critically uh, were hurt. People have dropped off balloons and flowers, deeply upset about what happened here. And as you just mentioned, yes, we have learned more information about the man Jefferson Parish Sheriff deputies have in custody. So we want to show you all his image now. Records show 33-year-old Terrence Leonard was booked on three counts of first-degree murder and two counts of attempted first-degree murder. He was also booked on obstruction of justice charges and an attachment for an outstanding warrant. Now, Emmett Rhodes, who was identified or who identified himself as the children's grandfather, told us that Leonard was the slain woman's boyfriend. Jefferson Parish Sheriff Joe Lapinto declined to identify Leonard, who was taken into custody, but said he did confess to the crime. Lapinto said evidence at the scene makes investigators believe the victims died from blunt force trauma. We spoke with the victim's mother, Ms. Idell Rhodes. Here's what she said about uh, this incident. Take a listen. You just gotta be a cold-hearted person, have no heart to kill children. Just a cold-hearted person. And I promise you, I put it on everything I love. They can document it. I'm seeking death penalty. Nine-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old, and 14-year-old. He bludgeoned these children to death with a hammer while they while they were sleeping and killed them. Um, three of the children were killed, bludgeoned to death with a hammer. And then he sat and he waited for his girlfriend to come home. The mother turned around, did the same thing to her, bludgeoned her to death with a hammer. And this was like at 2 a.m. So the kids had been dead for hours. And he was just sitting in the house waiting. So then after he killed, killed um, the mother, the mother, the whole family, basically. basically. Um, I forget what happened. 911 somehow was notified. They came. And then it was like this whole news spectacle. The motherfucker that did it was standing on the side behind the yellow tape. Like a spectator. Yes. Like a spectator. Just standing there. And I think they might have even interviewed him like, oh, man, I can't believe that happened mm -hmm. and blah, blah. When he's the motherfucker that did it. That was like the most sickening shit ever. You kill these three kids like, yo, man, that's it's fucking sick. But that brings me to also today. Uh, this just came up on my timeline there within 24 hours of today. As we're recording, today's date is December 9th. Seven people were shot within 24 hours. Hey, so as NOPD are working around the clock to solve these terrifying crimes, the family of Justin Hayes is shocked and heartbroken. He was killed in that quintuple shooting right here in Central City. I can't grasp it right now. I'm asking the Lord why. They say you can't question God, but you can. The family of Justin Hayes trying to wrap their mind around his death. His family says Hayes was shot and killed outside a bar on the 3800 block of Washington Avenue at around 10 Sunday night. His grandmother described him as kind and loving. She just had a stroke and is on dialysis. Justin was taking care of her. Because I thought here yeah, I would be dead to see them live. I've been planning my own funeral. I didn't know. I have to plan my grandbaby funeral. I didn't know it. I raised him from a baby up. Police say the survivors were found inside and outside of the bar. I could have, we, we could have died last night and I wouldn't be here talking about this situation. So it's a good, a touching moment for me, yes. Terrica Burton says she was sitting in the bar when she was shot in the leg. She's nine months pregnant. Her unborn baby boy was not harmed. How many times were you shot? Um, once it went in, this and out right there. It was really scary. Knowing that I could have been hit instead of my leg and my stomach and my head. And as for the Hayes family, they say they can only hope that the constant violence in New Orleans ends. Just like a, a dream and I'm gonna wake up. 
and my baby gonna be there. But I know it's not a dream. I know it's real. So far, no arrests have been made. If you have any information, you can call Crime Stoppers. That number is 822-1111. Reporting live in New Orleans, I'm Aubrey Killian, WDSU News. That, that's nine people. Let's go back a week. Ten people shot on Canal Street in New Orleans. Police in New Orleans are trying to determine the motive in a mass shooting near the city's famed French Quarter. Ten people were wounded, too critically, after a gunman opened fire early yesterday near the tourist area. Our national correspondent, Jerika Duncan, is here. Jerika, do police have a suspect? Not exactly. Here's what we know right now. One person was detained near the scene, but no arrests have been made. Police are calling it a cowardly and senseless act that cannot and will not be tolerated. The shots erupted on the edge of New Orleans' busy French Quarter just before 3.30 Sunday morning. Police officers were standing nearby, already patrolling the area because of the Bayou Classic, a popular annual college football game that ended hours earlier. At first, authorities say some officers thought they were being fired at but couldn't tell where the shots were coming from. They later discovered 10 victims, including one person shot in the chest, another in the torso. The New Orleans police superintendent says violent crime is actually down in the city for a fourth straight year. He vows he will not allow the acts of a few to deter New Orleans from continuing that trend. We also reached out to the FBI this morning. They say that they are coordinating with local police. So within a week, that's 19 people that have been shot. And don't think you're safe at home. Because got one more. Okay, what you got? Sunday was a violent day across New Orleans. Seven people were injured and two were killed in shootings across the city. An 18-year-old woman died when bullets flew in the 2100 block of North Rochablave in the 7th Ward. And neighbors told Danny Monteverdi that killing seemed more vicious than so many others. Gunshots through the window. And not just a few. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They got one little hole right there. So I guess it's seven. That's how many bullets were fired through a back bedroom window behind this home Sunday night in the 7th Ward. When all was said and done, an 18-year-old woman inside the bedroom was dead. A 61-year-old man was injured. I'm just lost from words. I'm just lost from words. I just, I can't believe this. You know, I think is she on the porch in the backyard or whatever. You do this. Among those who stopped by the home on Monday was Joycelyn Allen. She knew the victim through a relative. The news was shocking enough. What she saw made it worse. This was like a really like a hit, like to me. This isn't the first time violence has hit close to Allen. I could have got shot myself in the process of trying to get the kids and my grandmother off the porch because bullets was flying everywhere. This was like a war zone out here. That was Allen in 2012 after her niece, five-year-old Brianna Allen, was shot and killed in Central City when a stray bullet hit her during a family birthday party. I'm so sorry this, this happened. You know, they just, they just taking lives. And that's not the first time I've heard of people getting shot at home. Like, no. there's several situations like that that popped up at least in the last 12 months. Yeah. Now, was she the intended target? Does, does it say? No, it doesn't say. Um, she was shot dead, and then her neighbor was also shot. Um, and he was, like, in his 60s. So it's it's not that people just be out and be, you know, doing stuff or be out and be doing stuff. Yeah, Look be at you. Out and be That's in the your street. black, your black side coming well, out. You know, they be doing stuff, y'all. They be out in the street. It's not just people be out being there. out in the street. It's people at home. At home, yeah. That's uh, I've seen that numerous times too. And it's because these these people don't know how to fucking shoot. Like these niggas in the streets that are running around with guns, shooting or shooting at people. Now, we just went over 20 people within the span of one week that have been shot, right? There was only a handful of deaths out of 20 people. So let's say 25, 20, 25 percent of them died. I want to say four to five people died. Niggas don't know how to shoot. Do you know who knows how to shoot? Police know how to shoot for the most part. They're trained to at least. Right. So when niggas is out in these streets and they shooting, they don't know how to stand. They don't know how to aim. They are literally like we call it spray and pray or pray and spray where you damn near closing your eyes, just pulling the trigger and aiming your like 
that's why there's so many non-fatalities in these types mm. of uh situations people don't know how to shoot but um and then when they when there are fatalities it's not the intended target right there there was a parade a, a while back where someone just opened fire on a parade um a second line i believe which is like a new orleans style parade or block party type of deal and of course wrong people were hit so Couple, couple more before we get to the point here, ladies and gentlemen. Seven more. Got seven more for you. Seven more shootings. Uh, six, six wounded. Um, that's in separate, multiple shootings. So now we're up to twenty-six people in a one-week time span. Twenty-six people have been shot that's in New Orleans in the month of December. Right in and, December, and, and it's only the ninth. <laughs> right. And and that's not counting the one offs where I bet you if we were to dig, we can find more shootings. Right. And that that's how violent of a city we live in. And that is why I refuse to live in the city of New Orleans, because I think there's plenty of blame to go around. Sure, we can start with the obvious, the people, but the police They're The police are so lax. They don't. I don't want to say they don't want to work, but I do want to say they don't want to do their jobs. They are reactive. They're not proactive policing. And then the police, they're getting tired of even trying half ass trying. That's what I'm going to call it. Half ass trying. They're getting tired of it because they lock these people up. These people turn around, get right back out and they're back out on the streets. And that's a known fact. New Orleans uh, lockup is known as a revolving door. You go in, you walk out. People have walked out on murder on. Uh, yeah. Murder charges, attempted murder charges, things that back home, back up north. No, you are not getting out of on bail. You are not. No, you are staying here, mm-hmm. but not here. And I, I just think that's real telling of the criminal justice system in New Orleans, as well as the New Orleans Police Department. So I can kind of get how they're like, well, fuck it. Why yeah. should we even try if the DA or, or you know, the justice system is going to let them walk? So, I, I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Becky? Well, I think that there are efforts from the community um, to prevent types of, you know, gun violence. Um, obviously, there's a lot of work to be done because obviously of last, you know, the last week, but um, people aren't relying on the police. Some people are taking matters into their own hands and trying to do things in a proactive manner. Um, there are programs that they started trying to target youth so that they aren't. So they know, aren't targets. idle <laughs> targets and idle. Um, looking for something to do and, oh, let's, you know, oh, I found this gun. Let's go shoot up some people, you know? Nah, them <laughs> niggas ain't finding guns. They're stealing guns. Like, uh, a lot of the guns that that are being used in the streets are stolen guns or or guns that um parents have mm-hmm. and these children, and when we say children, we're talking teenagers, have um access to. Now... Uh, I, I honestly, I don't know, like what can be done. But go, going back to me saying that's why I refuse to live in the city of New Orleans. Becky and I live in the suburbs and the suburbs are a hell of a lot safer than the city. Now, the suburbs down here are a little different than suburbs in other places to where we still have crime. We mm-hmm. still have violence. We still have a lot of the the overspill that plagues New Orleans, but not to the extent of we don't get shootings every day where we live. We might get a couple of shootings a month, maybe in the suburbs. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I know that there was a man. I remember there was a manhunt not, you know, a couple months back. Um or helicopters are over the house and yeah. <laughs> they're looking for people. Man, but. I grabbed my gun too. <laughs> soon, soon as I saw the fucking house start shaking and shit, and we got pictures and stuff on the wall, right? So the um the pictures on the wall started shaking and rattling. That was an indication that something loud is happening. And then we start seeing spotlights and mm-hmm. stuff, right? And then the fucking helicopter is shining. 
their bright spot like through our windows and i'm like i'm waiting for fucking like swat team mm. or seal team to come bust so i grabbed my gun i said fuck whatever's going on it's dangerous because that ain't no medical helicopter they ain't no. looking for motherfucking search and rescue they look at search and destroy right so i'm like uh grab the gun and i'm like looking outside i'm like becky uh turn on the news mm. turn on the news we couldn't find anything because it was like what 11 at night 12 12 a.m or so so then i'm like jump on the internet because you know news always surfaces on couldn't find anything on the internet i'm like let's pull up the police scanners now that is when i found out that jefferson parish where we live um they encrypt their police scanners so the citizens can't listen a lot of cities you're able to tune in and you're able to listen to the police scanners but nope not jefferson parish they encrypted they say it's for the safety of their officers so that criminals don't know they're coming I think it shows a lack of transparency because Jefferson Parish also refuses to wear body cameras. So not only can we not hear your radio, we can't see what's going on anyway. So kind of went down a little uh, rabbit hole. A little rabbit hole, yeah. So refuse to live in the city. I refuse to go into the city of New Orleans unless I absolutely have to. And that would be for work. And sometimes I'm in some of the shadiest areas of the city for work because we have multiple offices that I have to go to. And a lot of them are located in uh, in and around low income housing. And I ain't going to lie to you. It's I'm not scared, but I'm not not scared either. I You're know, just vigilant. You're hyper vigilant. Yeah. Yeah. I know that like in front of one of our offices. At least three or four people have been murdered. That's the one office I hate going to, too, because I'm like, man, because it's right across the street from like the housing projects. And Mm. so is that the one you sent me the picture? Um, the no, that was another one. Different one. Yeah, yeah. That was a different one. So anyway, um, refuse to go into the city unless I have to. And I just think I think it's a lack of lack of policing. Um, back home, I'm, I'm gonna let you jump in here in a second, Becky, but back home, our police officers used to actually patrol. What that meant, at least back home is if I were to go sit outside on my front porch at home or on an apartment stoop, you would see the same police car drive by multiple times throughout the night. And I'm talking about like, as a cop, I guess this is your area to patrol. Right. And you're just driving around that area, driving around that area. Sure, it could be considered predatory. Like, okay, I know this is a high crime, low income neighborhood, and I can target any black people or black children in our cases, which was often the case. But we always had police patrolling our neighborhoods. Down here, I don't see police patrolling. Never. The only time I think I've ever seen police patrolling is during events. Mm-hmm. But yeah. outside of that. Got to keep those tourists safe. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that's the money right there. Exactly. So did you grow up um, or do you recall having police patrolling your neighborhoods? No. <laughs> well, t- tell us about your neighborhood. Um. So my neighborhood growing up was very rural. Um. You took a while to get to places so you really couldn't there really wasn't anything in reasonable walking distance um niggas had to walk five miles to get their mail not exactly but four and a half okay um the major employer in town was probably walmart and lowe's (laughs) um so it, it it was mainly um farm farming people um, there's a lot of land there, so there's lots of distribution centers. Mm-hmm. So and warehouses, so it's not really um, a lot of drugs. I would imagine so. Yeah, probably so. I wasn't really in that world, but um, you was in the farming world. You know how to milk an animal. I don't know how to do that either. You know how to milk me though, right? No, I don't. I do not. Don't look at me. 
I'm, I'm sorry, but I've been milked a few times by you, ma'am. We must have different definitions then. Okay, what's your? Give me your. Definition. I don't want to give you because <laughs> I'll give you mine. <laughs> now, so coming from that environment, I mean, me, it's like coming from a bad environment into a worse environment. But I'm I'm more at a distance now than I was growing up, as far as in D.C. But coming from the environment that you came from, get, just give me your take on that. Like, how how do you view it? How do you feel about it? Um. What were some of the the stark, you know, contrast, contrast that um that really jumped out at you? Um, I guess it's hard to say because my patterns really haven't changed. I don't go out that often, um, so I'm not in a situation to where I have to be um, extra aware of my surroundings. Um, I am aware of my surroundings a little bit more than what I thought or what I used to be um, or felt that I had to be. Um, I am a little more, um, what do you call it? I'm not paranoid, but I, I, I watch people more. Um, I keep my distance a little more. Um, so those are some of the things that I've changed, but for the most part, um, so it wasn't like a culture shock to see dozens and dozens of people get shot every week. The thing is, I'm it's at a distance because it's not like I know anybody that got shot, right? Um, and I just see it on TV. I hear reports of it, but I don't. It's not like I, you know, my coworker got shot or my, you know, brother or sister got shot. Um. I'm I'm at, I'm at a distance. Okay. So it doesn't really phase you. So some of the things um I guess just to wrap up, well ladies and gentlemen, all we're doing is uh just kind of painting a picture of New Orleans because a lot of people who have not been here or who visit here and kind of stay in the tourist areas. I mean, you have a lot of things like Mardi Gras, you have Essence Fest, you have Jazz Fest, you have all these festivals down here. Multiple. multiple yeah, things. too many. Y'all need to cut it out with yeah, that shit. Y'all do. be fucking traffic up. Y'all, y'all find any reason to celebrate. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Food. Funerals. But um, a, a lot of people don't really get to see the city for what it is. People see, it, it's kind of like taking a trip to North Korea almost, I guess you could say. They'll show you what they want you to see. Right. But there's parts that they will not take you to that you'll never see. So I kind of look at the city of New Orleans the same way. There are parts of the city where tourists more than likely have never, ever been, have never seen. No, they don't know anything about. All they knew New Orleans for is Bourbon Street, drinking, French Quarter, and these festivals. But nah, it's a fucked up, violent ass city. And some of the things, like I said, policing, they need better policing. And I, coming from a black man who would prefer there to be less policing because we already know the, the relationship between police and black people. I'm a black man saying that New Orleans needs more policing. They also, the the criminal justice system, it just needs to be overhauled. They need to stop letting these people, these violent criminals, walk out on bond. And while they're on bond or while they're on house arrest, they turn around and kill somebody else or harm somebody else. Um, we do need more stuff for the kids. One of the things I, I was talking to, um, shout to AJ from the What We Gonna Do podcast. Uh, I forget how we got on the subject, but... Back home, after school, after school hours, elementary schools, middle schools, high school, it didn't matter. You were allowed to go onto that school's campus and use their tracks, use their basketball courts, use their football fields. As long as no teams were practicing, you can go any school back home and do that. Some schools even had rec centers with indoor basketball um uh, pool tables, you know, different, different activities. First thing, one of the first things I used to like to play basketball, um, when I moved down here was looking for a court to play basketball. So I said, let me find the nearest school. 
The nearest school looked like a fucking prison. It had 20 foot gates around it, like chain link fence with barbed wire and shit. And I'm like, damn, that's odd. Maybe this the wrong school. Maybe this school closed down. Maybe this the detention center or something. Found another school. Same thing. These huge gates around it. So I'm like three or four schools that I'm all the same thing locked up. And you look at the basketball courts and they're just kind of raggedy and just not not kept up or anything. So anyway, I'm just like, where where do you go play basketball? Well, you have to go join a a like a gym or you have to join somewhere where you pay to use their facilities. Um, there are a few in the hood. I found one in the hood that I used to go play at. And this is I didn't know I was in the hood. I was like in the hood, 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 hood. But I didn't know the city. So I just found a basketball court. And one thing niggas can bond over is basketball. As long as this shit don't get too serious. <laughs> so uh, more activities for kids. Because, like, when I, again, if I can't find a basketball court, what the fuck are these little kids are doing? These 14, 15-year-olds that don't want to be cooped up in a house on their video games and their iPads. And they want to be out. They have nothing to do. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to do. They have the jobs pro the summer jobs program, which is eh, kids want to have fun. What is there to do in New Orleans? Can you tell me right now some things that teenagers can do in New Orleans? There may be school programs that they can join. Okay, summertime. Summertime. Um the uh Nord New Orleans Recreational Department, they've been trying to put stuff together, programs together for um kids to do um there are summer programs but of course you gotta pay um but i know that nord uh new orleans uh rec rec department they do have programs that are are free for um children during the summer right um that's about it yeah that's all that i know that 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 is you know free now of course you could pay for yeah you can pay for just about anything but it's you know, the average household income in New Orleans, I want to say is like thirty eight to forty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So you ain't paying for a lot if you live in one of these average, right. you know. Right. Especially if you're paying tuition for your kid to go to school. Uh, you making your household make thirty eight, forty thousand. You ain't paying tuition to go to nowhere. So anyway, um, what what solutions would you have? I mean, that's all I can think of is better policing, more police in the neighborhood. And I hate to say that as a black man, it really pains me to say put more policemen in the neighborhoods because the police are just so lax and they're chilling, they're parked and you see them watching videos on their fucking phones. They they're just so fucking lazy. They don't want to do anything. Like, even in traffic accidents, they don't want to do anything. My mama got in a car accident, right? One time, not no lie, she got in a car accident with a midget. I remember. <laughs> a you midget. telling me that. <laughs> um, it's funny, it's, but it's not funny. But who gets in a car accident with a midget? My mama. The midget had, like, special little things that they could reach the pedals with or whatever. So, it happened. The midget ran, in, ran into my mother and, like, fucked her car all up it happened in front of a police officer mm. so the police uh my mom waves down the police officer hey police officer says i'm sorry ma'am i'm not on duty and i'm not at liberty to say what i saw what and left they have a fucking duty to if you whether you're on or off duty and you witness a crime or you are witness you you have I forget, I forget what it's called like an affirmative uh affirmative duty mm-hmm. to nope motherfucker wanted nothing to do with it wow so yeah they they just well, better police and more police I agree with your two solutions um and the only other you know solution that I w- would possibly add to that is being uh, mentorship programs so um basically somebody that kind of watches like designates themselves as somebody that's going to watch over these kids like oh you know it it may be not a principal but somebody in the neighborhood that knows these kids that can you know kind of step in because 
I know it's it's cliched, but it takes a village. And part of the village is other adults in the village. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's kind of hard these days with um, people being hyper sensitive. Um, Little bitches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and other parents probably saying, well, it's not your place to talk to my kid that way or whatever. But sometimes you, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you need to smack the shit out of somebody else's kid, yo. Yes. And that, that that's some real shit, man. Like, I'm not even going to go down that path. But sometimes you need to slap the shit out of somebody else's kid because the parents ain't doing it. Yes, I believe in capital, corporal punishment, corporal punishment. and capital punishment okay and that that's the last thing i'll add is longer prison sentences and again as a black man it pains me to say shit like that longer prison sentences you should not be out here in new orleans or anywhere a mass shooting seven to ten people shot and you get out five years later that i know people who are still locked up for drugs from when i left dc when i left dc they were locked up. This so, is like 17 years later. They're still locked up for drugs. They didn't. It wasn't a violent crime at all. Right. So harsher sentences for violent offenders. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because you need to make a, a an example out of people. Because if all I'm seeing is uh, my homeboy shot somebody or dude in my neighborhood shot somebody. He went to jail for two years and now he's out. I'm not scared of that as a 17 year old, 18 year old, because two years when you're 17, 18 is nothing. nothing. You need to up the senses. Give these motherfuckers 12 years. So you're 18 years old. You want to go out here and shoot? Yeah, I'm, everyone makes mistakes. I know. I know everyone makes mistakes, but I'm sorry. Shooting somebody is not a fucking mistake. That's a choice that you're making. And whether the person lives or dies, your intent is to kill them. No one's intent is ever to shoot somebody and, and they live they, and walk right. away. Yeah. So, yeah, these longer prisons, they give these motherfuckers life. And the more people you see getting life, like, let me just use this as an example. And we'll wrap up here. If what do you think will happen if you steal or if somebody, not you, anybody steals a Snickers bar from a gas station? I would think one day in jail, something like that. No. No one's going to jail for stealing a Snickers bar. Most most of that happen. Cops might get called. If the cops somehow pick up the person that stole the Snickers bar, they're quick enough, they'll get some kind of a fine or something like that. If it's a juvenile, they'll get taken home to their parents and say, hey, your kid's stealing their band from this store. Now, let's say if you get caught, I'm being extreme here, if you get caught stealing a Snickers bar, death by firing squad. How many people do you think are going to continue to try to steal Snickers bars? You, you'll have a couple of nutcases, yeah, that, but yeah. not and very it'll, many. It'll be a very strong deterrent. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Death, that, and that's my whole thing is death is a very strong deterrent because mm. most people want to live. Mm. So, like, again, if you start giving these people harsher sentences for shooting people, for violent crimes, for attempting to kill people, that, you know, the 17-year-old that does that. Okay, you got the 12, 13-year-olds in the neighborhood watching. I kind of talked about this on a ep- the last episode of um, A Few Screws Loose where without having a father figure, I had to look up to the older teens in the neighborhood, the teen adults in the neighborhood. So I'm 13 years old looking up to the 18, 19-year-olds seeking their approval. If... I see them going to jail for 20 years for trying to shoot somebody. And then I see another one going to jail for 20 years for shooting at or shooting somebody. And I continuously see the 20 years. That's going to make me say, um, uh, yeah. And we had a saying back home. Um, one time there was a, it was a huge fight. It was a neighborhood brawl. We went to another neighborhood and, got into this big altercation and fists were flying and feet were flying. And it was like the, the Royal rumble out that bitch. Somebody pulls out a gun and he shoots the gun into the air. Pow! Everyone stops and looks at him. 
one of my boys, no lie, the one who just came down here the other day that yeah. we well, yeah. a couple weeks ago we saw, he looks at him and said, "Nigga, put that gun away. <laughs> you ain't trying to do that, time." Mm. And the dude put the gun away and ran. Mm. And that was the truth. He wasn't trying to do that time because right. back home, there's a super harsh sentence for not only possessing a gun but for um brandishing and then firing so he would have he would have probably got 20 years so that's why my boy wasn't even scared like nigga put that away go (laughs) go home with your gun Mm -hmm. shit so i don't know man i guess i just wanted to talk about how um fucked up the city in new orleans is and how we need help down here and i feel again i'll say it again i feel horrible saying we need help from law enforcement we need help from city government like our government, our city government's so corrupt. Our state government's so corrupt. Nobody gives a fuck about the citizens down here. Then you have the upper class people that look at the the people that are getting shot and the people that are doing it. They look at the black people of this city, the black people who have been here for centuries, black people who were bought here against their wills. Like there was a, a slave auction house somewhere downtown New Orleans. I forget where it is, but. We've been here longer than you. Y'all motherfucking gentrifiers are coming from from California, coming from D.C., coming from up north. And as soon as y'all get here, y'all judging us. And the people that have been here, the you know, the white people that have lived here for a long time, they still judge. They look at us like we're fucking animals. They look at us like we're pieces of shit. They treat us like we're pieces of shit. They pay us like we're mm. pieces of shit. And that's that's another I think. Thing that can be, yeah, yeah, it can contribute to the crime and violence is the pay down here fucking sucks for your average person. People are struggling, man. And especially um, in the hospitality industry, which is the tourist industry, which should make, you know, more money and bring in more money, more revenue for the city. So it doesn't make to me, it doesn't make sense for there to be a what is it a hospitality tax that you know tourists have to pay whenever they stay here um and also the people that work in the hospitality industry minimum wage get minimum wage basically it it just it doesn't add up yeah it uh i mean a lack of opportunity that's for sure and one of the things i've always asked people who are from new orleans who have lived here their entire lives are or is why are you still here right a lot of them don't have the means to leave those who did hurricane katrina was the perfect opportunity to leave because you had no other choice you had to leave the city and go elsewhere and a lot of people actually set up and built started building their lives in other states and other Mm -hmm. cities and as soon as the city was reopened and New Orleans say, hey, come on back, everybody. Come on, come on. These people picked up and came back. You came back to the like the equivalent of a third world country after Hurricane Katrina. That That's what you came back to. And New Orleans had its problems even prior to Katrina. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of these people were living in these nice areas and these nice single family homes. They they came but something keeps bringing the people back to new orleans what that is i don't know because uh, that does that that demon does not possess me because <laughs> i just don't understand everybody and i know people who have tried to leave who have actually left mm. on their own no hurricane katrina no. they left they went to school other places they come back they go and they stay with family other places then they come back. Like everyone just keeps coming back, keeps coming back. Keep. I don't understand why there is nothing here. Mm-hmm. I can understand if your family is here, but hell, my family is in D.C. I'm here. Yeah. I, I just don't I don't get what keeps calling people well, back. Maybe maybe, you know, it's a sense of tradition for them. Like you said, they've been, you know, a lot of their families have been here for centuries. Yeah. So, you know. To live in another city and not have a Mardi Gras or live in another city and not um, be a part of Essence Festival or um, what is it? The uh, Y'all niggas could visit shit. Yeah. The, I mean, the, yeah, you could definitely visit. But 
I mean, may, maybe that's part of the the draw is that they they like knowing what to expect. Yeah. I mean, coming from someone who likes to know what to expect, I still <laughs> I, I expect nothing less than New Orleans to continue to be one of America's most violent cities. Our population, I think, might be at half a million now, but it's like per capita top three. And I'm not even looking at stats, so someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Top three worst as far as violent crime goes. So anyway, that wraps up this episode. Again, um, send Anne your well wishes at I Tell Legal Lies on Twitter. And hopefully we will have her back. If not, I will send you guys her obituary. And yeah, I've been trying to kill her for like years. years. Yeah. You need to stop. She's like a roach. She is like a roach. (laughs) No matter how many times you step on her motherfucking ass. Mm -mm -mm. So, um, yeah, if you're from New Orleans or, or been in the area, let us know what you think. And uh, also, if you know of any other solutions other than more police and more hands on, a more hands on approach. Um, my name is Dan. You can keep up with me on Twitter and IG at I am Dan on drugs. Keep up with the show on all social media at Black Law Podcast. Don't forget our lovely, lovely merch stocking stuffers, motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Blacklawpodcast.com forward slash shop. There you go. And. Thank you for listening um, from Afro Becky. You heard? Yes. That's and y'all me. might actually see her face this time. Maybe. Maybe. Possibly. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. How, how do you feel uh, sitting over there with all these lights and cameras? I'm and hot. Stuff? You're hot? I'm hot. So now you see why I'm always complaining about turning on AC and opening windows when we're recording? Oh, yeah. It, it, it's hot. So what's making you hot? The temperature? Is it just the lights? The lights. The lights aren't really putting off that much heat. Well, that's where I feel it from. So I think it's it's psychosomatic. Okay. Yeah. All right. So are you uncomfortable with like cameras aimed at you? No, because I'm really not paying attention to the cameras. Yeah. See, I learned that too. Early on, I would always, I, I have to pay attention to the cameras yeah. because sometimes one will stop recording and I have to hit it. But I remember I would be like all up every few seconds looking at myself like, let me straighten out my shirt. Uh, Damn, my hat's a little, you know. Now I just don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm like, y'all know who the fuck I am. Yeah. So if I'm having a bad looking day, having that a bad looking day. Mm-hmm. Okay. So anyway, peace out, people. Thanks for listening. Peace. There you go. Mm-hmm.